0: All right, well, we're going to continue on in God's Word in First Peter. So if you've been with us, you know that we have been slowly uh, working our way through chapter one. and it looks like this morning we're we're going to consider, and dig into the last three verses. So to kind of set the context, I'll begin at verse 22, and that will take us through verse 25 at the end of uh, chapter 1. So if you have that, uh, turn to there in your Bibles, and then please stand as we read God's Word together. Again, I'll be beginning at verse 22. This is 1 Peter chapter 1. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. Verse 23. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and abiding word of God. Verse 24, a quote from Isaiah uh, 40, verses 6 through 8 love this verse. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. You may be seated. Father in heaven, we We ask now on this beautiful day that you've given us, Lord, that you would help us to consider carefully what your word says in 1 Peter. We pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts right now, Lord, and take this word, as it says right here in the text, your living and abiding word, and that it would speak to our hearts, that it would bring conviction, that we wouldn't leave this room without being encouraged by you, challenged by you, and taught by you. We pray together in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Forty-two years ago to this day, to this day, October 8th, my life was somewhat floundering. I, I remember it so well. I, I was working two jobs, neither of which had any future promise, and I was trying to cram enough college courses at the time into each semester or term so that I could graduate in the next year and a half. I had set my sights the past three, four, five years on a, on a career in the advertising world. That was exciting. It was, it was creative. It was fast-paced, but there were doubts beginning to chip away at what had been a very consistent optimism and confidence. I wasn't sure why or, or where those doubts were coming from, but, but the whole Southern California where I lived at the time, the, the fame and fortune track began to lose its tug on me, began to bother me. A group of buddies called me up and invited me out to dinner, a new place they said called El Paso Cantina right across the street from my college. My immediate reaction was, no, no way, not tonight. Don't want to go. They persisted. Come on, come on, you got to go. It's a brand new place. We've heard good things about it. I just don't want to. I don't know why, I just don't want to. Guys, I'm just getting kind of burned out on this, going out to restaurants so often and, and restaurants, dot, 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 bars, cantinas, in this case. You guys just go. You guys just go and, and have a good time. I was tired. I was worn out. I was burnt out. But they persisted. Well, I went, and the rest is history. Because just across the room, at another table, sat the most beautiful, most captivating, most intriguing woman I had ever seen. That night, 42 years ago, exactly to this day, to this evening, I met my Lisa. And my life has never been the same. It was truly God-ordained. We've talked about it many times. It was truly, had to be, God-arranged. Because not only was she the perfect match, But something else was happening, too. Something life-changing. When we met, she wasn't walking with the Lord. But she knew the truth. She had been raised in a Christian home. She knew the answers to my questions. I wasn't walking with the Lord at all because I didn't know the Lord. But there were those doubts. There were all those doubts about all the things that I put confidence in in my life, that I had trusted in in my life, and they were beginning to crumble away week after week. And she knew the answers. Little did I know after that night when I fell in love with her that my life was radically changing, that there was going to be another very significant change as well. One night, after we had gone out and I dropped her off at her apartment, this was much later, as the Lord began to convict her, my Lisa had left a little gift in the back seat of my car. And when I got home, I I noticed it back there, and I picked it up, and here it is. This very same Bible she left in the back seat of my car. I had never had a Bible before. I had never owned a Bible before. I had never opened a Bible before, not even a Gideon Bible. I didn't know one chapter from another. I didn't know one verse. I didn't know there was a New Testament and an Old Testament. If you would have given me that simple quiz, I would have failed. 66 books. What does that mean? And yet as I took that Bible home and I opened it up, I began on the New Testament. I was like, you know, a lot of Southern California is a desert. It's a semi-arid area along the coast and then there's a lot of the state that is desert. I felt like I was crawling through the desert And there was this canteen of fresh, cold, sweet water. That's what the word of God was like. I can't explain it any other way. I was seeing things I had never seen before. I was reading things I had never read before. And I was beginning to experience deep down inside, at a deeper level, things that I had never felt at that level before. The Lord was opening my spiritual eyes to the truth, and little did I know not long after that, ultimately to the truth of the gospel and my need for the Lord Jesus Christ, which he did to her as well, almost simultaneously. To this day, 42 years later, I am standing here on the rock-solid truth and will never flinch that there is nothing like the Word of God. There is nothing more powerful, there is nothing more life-changing than the very revelation of God Himself contained in the Word of God that you have. Nothing else can do what the word of God does. Nothing else can penetrate the depth of our heart like the word of God does. We read in these words that you've heard many, many times, but please consider what they're saying. This truth never changes in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is living and active And sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10 verse 17. Well, how does this, this word that does something like nothing else can do? How does it work? What does it do? And I believe Peter speaks to that at the end of chapter one here, as we have seen together as we have just read together. We read first of all that his word reproduces. His word reproduces. We talked about this two weeks ago in verse 23. 23 when we read together for you have been born again not of seed which is perishable but imperishable then how that is through the living and abiding word of god so he tells us exactly how that came about you are born again and we talked two weeks ago about the necessity to be born again can we believe in god can we be saved without being born again the answer is no jesus told Nicodemus, that very truth in John chapter 3, right? Because only through the word of God, as Peter tells us here in verse 23, it's only by the very truth of God, the very revelation of God, that we understand the gospel, that we understand the need for a savior, that we understand Jesus' requirement that you must be born again, that the word itself The word of God being different than any other word has the ability to spiritually reproduce, has the ability to cause a person to be born again. And as I mentioned two weeks ago, there's only one way. There's only one remedy. There's only one truth. There's only one word. Now, before I met Lisa, I had grown up in a religious family. But that can mean anything, and it certainly did in our case. I grew up in traditional Roman Catholicism as a child. I went through Catholic school all the way through the end of high school. I was exposed to numerous ideas that were extra-biblical, that were outside the Scriptures. In fact, the Scriptures had no authority, really. If you do a study of Roman Catholicism, you find out that there are a list of, of authorities. Scriptures number three. You have church dogma, and you have papal decrees at the top. So there was just a whole mixed bag of things that I was exposed to. In the process of being very disillusioned with all of that, there was a spiritual vacuum in my life as a teenager. My mother stepped in and said, I'd like you to read this book on transcendental meditation. I gobbled it up. I'd like you to read Jonathan Livingston Siegel. I gobbled it up. I'd like to have you listen to some tapes and some speakers from the Unity School of Christianity. I gobbled it up. And on and on it went, combined with all the crazy paganistic philosophies of fame and fortune so rooted in Southern California. None of those things... Changed me. Isn't it interesting? You can, you can read a book, oh, Transcendental Meditation, and everybody was doing it at the time. But it didn't change me. I read it and set it aside and thought, you know, there's a few good ideas there. A lot of it's pretty way out. It sounds a little hippie-ish. You know, I mean, it wasn't really my thing, but it didn't change me. It didn't go Deep. It didn't reproduce until I read God's word. The light from God's word was different. Now, I know we don't have a lot of cockroaches up here in the Pacific Northwest, but in any of your past experience, have you ever walked into a room that's been dark and you flip on a switch? And there's a cockroach infestation. What happens if you flip on the light switch? Yeah, I used to work for pest control companies for a while in my, in my past. I sold chemicals, but I would go out in order to be the good salesman. I would go out on trips in the middle of the night with pest control guys with cockro- cockroach infestations in restaurants. We would open them up, flip on the lights. Thousands of cockroaches would suddenly take off. And you couldn't catch them. I mean, they were gone. They, were, they went into all their little nooks and crannies and everything, and they were gone. That's what it is with the Word of God. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And what happens when the light of the Word of God comes? All that transcendental meditation, all that other garbage is gone doesn't mean anything it has no value it's absolutely worthless garbage false lies all of that dissipates in a second with the bright light of God's word and that's what I found in my experience only God's word could do that none of those other things you don't pull out a a book from the unity school of Christianity and suddenly all the evil dissipates all the false truths dissipates only God's word can do that It alone has that power. Secondly, Peter tells us that his word, and I would say this would be alone, so these are all exclusively God's word. His word remains. His word remains. So first of all, it reproduces. Secondly, it remains. Two words are key here in verse 24. Living. We also find that in verse 23, and abiding. And we find that in two forms in verses 23 and 24 abiding and abides. Both seem to express somewhat the same idea that this is it God's word lasts while everything else fades away. God's word alone has staying power, it remains. It's always the same. Now, with that in mind, we could also say, then God's word never needs a revision. God's word never needs an update. There's no fall 2023 makeover. There's no new research finds necessitated changes. There's no additional just found new revelation. Go back to Psalm 119 again. Verse 89 says this very important truth. Never forget it. I have this highlighted in my Bible. I've come back to it dozens and dozens of times. David says this about the word of God. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled or literally stands firm in heaven. What does that mean? God's word remains. It's in heaven. It's it's forever. It's rooted in eternity. It never changes. Everything else, he tells us in the quote from Isaiah, everything else will fade away. Everything else will be gone. Everything else is in in the process of erosion, but not the word of God. It is settled in heaven. Now, with that in mind, what other word, what other counsel, what other opinion, advice, which we have no shortage of in this age of social media can say that? What other word lasts and remains? What other word is settled in eternity? When you can go back to it and it never changes, when you can, you can build your whole life on it and have complete and total 100 percent confidence that it's true. What else is like that? I mean, think about how many times you, you have invested your, your life in something, and then the opinion has shifted. I always think about we've talked about that many times in relation to child care. How many trends and fads and things there are over the age? Oh, you need to do this with your baby. Or you need to do this with your children. This is the only way. And a, a whole generation will do that. And then they'll come back later and say, "Um, I think we might have been wrong because the kids are all turning out crazy. <laughs> and then they'll say, what we really need to do is this or health things or health fads or how about diet fads? You know, oh, well, we were, we were really off on that. Sorry. You know, and people are going, great. You know, I just spent the last six months or the last six years invested in this thing. Investment strategies with money. All kinds of different, even personal philosophies of life. You know, where we have freedom or too much freedom or not enough freedom or this thing or that thing or, you know, in every gamut of life. Advice changes. Over the years, doesn't it? I mean, go back and read a hundred years ago what, what was popular in culture, what was acceptable, what was common advice, and you're gonna scratch your head and say, What? It's totally different. But the word of God remains, it doesn't change. How many of you go to the grocery store? We're gonna have some confession time here, <laughs> and you're in the dairy section. And you kind of look around, you start looking at the uh, dates on the milk and the eggs and the butter, right? And they've, they've done the, gone through the process where they've pushed everything up to the front because they want to get rid of the soonest item to expire. And you're like, you put the one in the back and you're going all the way to the very back one so you get the freshest, right? Why not? You're paying the same amount for it, it's there. So we're very aware of we want to get the freshest item. We don't want to buy the thing that expired last week. God's word has no expiration date. Isn't that thrilling? It never changes. It's never out of style. It's never, you know, well, that was back then, but today, and his word doesn't change. Culture changes, but his word never changes. It remains, and that's the strong thrust of the message of Peter. The last thing that we see at the very end here before we go to chapter 2 in 1 Peter is that his word refreshes. Look at verse 25 again. So we have part of the the verses from Isaiah 40 there, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And then he adds this, and this is the word. So to make the connection, hey, people, you who are saved, this is that same word that was preached to you. Now, preached is an interesting word there. I don't know how it's translated in the translation that you have, but it, it comes from the, our English word gospel, which our English word gospel literally comes from two words in the Greek language, which would translate more literally, good news. So we could translate this verse as, was preached as good news to you. That would be a more literal translation of how it really reads in the Greek language as it was preached or preached as good news to you. And this is at the heart, really, of all God's revelation to us. Peter is reminding these people who are not in a great situation. Remember, these are scattered people, aliens and strangers, he calls them. People who have been forced out of their homes, forced out of their jobs, had to leave their hometowns, and they're scattered all over the place because of the gospel, because of the good news And Peter's reminding them this is the good news that was preached to you. A life built on the Word of God is always a life built on good news. Do we get this? Who doesn't want good news? But this is unlike any other good news offered to us. Most good news is dependent on what? Favorable circumstances, which are subject to change. They may not last. They're fragile. We could be misled, misinformed. I mean, I think back to what I was doing a year ago when I was going through this whole situation with my dad, who was in a hospital for four-plus months. And I wasn't here a lot of that time. I was going back and forth to L.A., and my brother was caring for him every day and we were in constant communication on a daily basis multiple times a day why because the situation was changing every single day my brother would call me or I was down at the hospital and the doctor would say good news this is improving or this is happening or there's a potential that he'll get out of this or maybe he'll be able to come home and so on and so forth next day bad news, the good news isn't good news anymore because this happened, and then the next day, good news. This is improved. The vitals are are showing improvement. Next day, the vitals are bad, bad news. You've been through situations like that. Circumstances, we just can't count on them. We don't know what's going to happen. Good news today can be bad news tomorrow. Good news this morning could be bad news tonight. But the good news that was preached to you is always good news. And Peter is reminding these these beat-up people, these people that are under tremendous pressure and trials, he's saying the good news is still the good news. The living hope that you have is always a living hope. God's truth doesn't change because of your circumstances. And that's what the Word of God does. As I began to devour the Word of God, after my Lisa gave me that wonderful Bible in the back seat of my car, it began to resonate with me that what I was reading was something solid that no matter what was happening in my life, no matter what questions I had in my life, it was always the same. And that's what began to give joy to my heart because I'd never read anything like that. All of that garbage that I'd been exposed to was always changing. Some of those things that were popular and faddish and celebrities were embracing, you could find in the bargain bin a year later. But not the word of God. You ever find a Bible in the bargain bin? I mean, we don't sell many of those anymore. You know, that's that's outdated. That was, you know, that was a bestseller last year, but the Bible is always the best-selling book in the world. Did you know that? Always. All this other junk that's out there that's in the top ten, and, you know, it always changes all the time, the bookseller lists. and, you know, I love to read Bible's always number one. They don't put it on that list because there's so many different publishers and they don't really like to admit that anyway. You know, the Bible's outselling, you know, John Grisham, come on. Wow. What does it mean? (laughs) But I want to encourage you this morning... I want to read to you just a little something. This is a this is a quote from Charles Swindoll. I don't know how many of you know who he is, but Charles Swindoll's church is where Lisa and I got married. I was saved in Charles Swindoll's church. That's when I first heard the word of God preached expositorily, verse by verse. And I've shared this with many of you. It was through, interestingly enough, the book of Ecclesiastes. Some of you go, where is that? In the Old Testament that I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. He says this, and take these words seriously. It's just a little devotional uh, in a nutshell here, but he says, when you meet with God, you open your Bible. Don't rely on your memory. Rely on those printed pages. Start at the beginning of a book of the Bible, and you work your way through it slowly and systematically. You read it aloud. You read it thoughtfully. You listen to what your lips say. And you ask him to make what you hear come alive in your life. And block everything else out. You pray God's word. You personalize God's word. You sing God's word. You make it a part of your conscious thought and forget everything else. As you give that time only to him and his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just thank you for your living and abiding word that never changes, that never leaves, that never goes away, and has the ability like nothing else on this planet, along with your Holy Spirit, to change us, to save us, and to change us in amazing ways. May we make it a priority in our lives without negotiation. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.